Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of FNO InsureTech. And today, among other things, you're going to learn why my cross to bear is Lee Boyd. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, yeah. today, what we should talk about, it, and it won't be. So I have good news for you. This is not what we're going to be talking about. What we should be talking about is what it's like to have Lee Boyd as your partner. Oh, yeah. Well, it's been one of my great honors and privileges to be able to do this podcast with you. So let well, everybody say what they will about you. You'll never hear me say a cross thing about you ever. Well, that's because you say it behind my back, right? Totally. 100%. <laughs> exclusively. Well, you know, you are my homie. And, I you am know, your homie. You're my homie. You know what's remarkable about that? What's that, Rob? Is our guest today, Dave Theus, co-founder of Homie. What are the chances? How did that happen? I don't know. Hmm. Ironic. Ironic. Ironical. Yeah. Speaking of homie. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about homie. Why should we be excited for this podcast? Homie is a company that is really uh, changing the way things are done. I think ultimately we'll look back at the world of insurance and property claims and say that there's this pivot that happened. And, and within this pivot, you'll see a company like homie who is out there uh, using uh, technology and a network of contractors to improve the insurance claims process. And we're going to get to talk to them about everything that they're doing, about their founding story. Um, and it, it's it's a fascinating company, and they're, and they're really doing neat things. Well, we are incredibly privileged to have Dave with us today. He just recently went from being the CTO of Homie, mm -hmm. co-founder, CTO, yeah. to being the chief revenue officer so that's a really interesting combination of tasks that he's had at the company. And, and you'll hear that he'll be able to speak extensively, uh, not only about the company, but about his approach. And, uh, and and passionately, right? He's very passionate about the company, as he should be. As he should be. That's and right. so without further ado, why don't we listen to the big homie, the big D, Dave Theus, co-founder and chief revenue officer at Homie. Hey, everybody. We have waited a long time to have our guest on who's with us today. I will just jump right in and waste no more time. Good. Dave Theus, co-founder and chief revenue officer at Homey. Hi, Dave, and welcome. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Look forward to talking to you guys today. Yeah. It's great to have you on. We've heard so much about your company. Where are you with us from today? I am in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, the company is in uh, headquartered in Tampa, Florida. But we have, we can get into this, but two parts of the company. One is the operational arm, which my co-founder, Doug, CEO, is uh, running, and he runs that from Tampa. Uh, before I moved into the chief revenue position, I was the CTO of the business, and we ran all of product out of uh, Cincinnati office. So that's kind of how we were split up, a Cincinnati, large Cincinnati office, large Tampa office, 
uh, and I live in one place and Doug lives in the other. So I have to ask you right off the bat, I was chief revenue officer previously. Did you lose a bet or something? Did you get, is this, <laughs> is this some form of punishment that you had to endure? I've, I'm enjoying, let's just say I'm enjoying it so far. Being on the product side, you usually, you know, are, are the firefighter and fixing things. Being on the revenue side, I get the opportunity to get back into talking to partners and customers and, and selling the business and, and doing podcasts like this. So I'm so far very much enjoying it, but ask me that in about a year. Okay. How long have you been uh, CRO? For two months. So see, I'm still in the honeymoon phase. Oh, okay. So then why don't we spend the rest of this podcast, me telling you horror stories? <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I don't have any. I, I loved my time in that position. It's a wonderful thing. But let's take a step back to tell us first, let's start by level setting on what the heck is Homey? What do you guys do? Why do you exist? Et cetera. Tell us about your company. So Homey's been around. Uh, we were founded late in 2015. Doug and I found the company and so we're, you know, five, six-year-old company. So we are headquartered in Tampa, like I said. We have about 100 employees or so, half that are focused on the technology platform and building the technologies, and the other half on the operation side, so running the business, uh, recruiting vendors, um, maintaining account management, those kind of things. We started the business, uh, if I give you kind of the, the founder story, I am an engineer by by trade and by education. Uh, and with that, I think I can do any kind of home repair project, which um, certainly is not the case. And I was uh, remodeling a, a bathroom and had a limited time to get the remodel done and was a little aggressive on one of the pipes uh, in my shower. Ended up cracking the copper pipe. Um, long story short, water was turned off, family was out of town, and I had limited time to get the thing fixed. And I didn't want to tear up the bathroom to get to it. Uh, couldn't find a plumber to save my life. I had a friend that was a plumber. He said he couldn't come out for three days to help me out. I started dialing for for pros, right, like normal people do. Uh, found out the expense and still couldn't get somebody out for two weeks. Um, so in, in, in that time, the 2015-2016 timeframe, it's kind of when the on-demand uh, was really taken off. And I was in software for 20, 25 plus years. So I was like, why the heck isn't there something like an Uber for getting home services done? And that's where the spark kind of happened. Doug, my co-founder, is the opposite. He doesn't even know how to pick up a hammer, but he will pay handsomely to get somebody to do work for him uh, on a minute's notice, right? So he had an air conditioner go out while he was out of town. He lives in Tampa. Story goes, his wife called him you know, a little bit upset with uh, the temperature in the house, and, and Doug couldn't find an HVAC tech again to save his life, and he would have paid handsomely to have it done. So the two of us were in similar roles at another company. Uh, he was CEO, was a chief product officer. Put our heads together and said there might be a business here. We started to look at the addressable market and saw how huge it was. There was no real big players uh, in the on-demand side that we were thinking of, of, of building the business around. And that's really where the spark started. So we were really a direct-to-consumer model when we started. So mm -hmm. true on-demand, true Uber experience. You tap, you need a plumber. They're on their way to your door. And our statistics were pretty crazy. The pros would pick up the job in under 30 seconds, and they'd be at your door, tools in hand, under 60 minutes. So that's, 
that's the vision that the company was started on. We quickly migrated into the property management space um, because we knew, number one, you got to spend a lot of marketing dollars to market to direct to consumers. You got to stay top of mind. So it's 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 a it's a hard road to go go through. And property management have the, the same issues, if not on a scale that's a lot different. Um, they have plenty of tenants and residents. We could sell to one property manager, uh, and we would have a thousand doors. So mm-hmm. we were we we quickly kind of pivoted or migrated the business to address property management, which was great because we could build up the provider network we needed. We continued sure. to invest in the product, um, and so it was a great great market to be in. And then insurance found us. Uh, we were at a conference speaking, and uh, one of our insurance partners, uh, it's an investor in the business, Liberty Mutual, found us and had a conversation to say, "Hey, we love what you're doing." If you could just do these kind of things in the product, you could be huge for us in the PNC space. And so we did that and started to um, build additional capabilities to start to handle a claims workflow. And that's where we've been focused since. Obviously, a monster, monster market. We're really focused in a, in an underserved area, right? $10,000 claim. We like to talk about claim from slab to roof. And really, in the ten thousand dollars and below, that dollar figure is is kind of arbitrary because we do much bigger ones. But it's it's the mid medium to to small claim size uh, that we're very good at. That typically carriers will stroke a check, and and then the policyholder is responsible for finding a pro to go do that work. Well, that's you know no longer the case with us. We've got a technology platform that again has an Uber esque ish experience. Um, so it gets full transparency to that policyholder. They get to be involved every step of the way in the in getting the work done, the loss remedied. Um, so that's you know that's that's really the progress of the business went from direct to consumer, B to B to C with the property management space to full on insure tech, and that's that's where our focus is 100 percent on right now. So are you a managed repair network? We're both. So. What we like to talk about is two things together are what make us unique and powerful, and that's the value prop. We have our our pretty extensive technology platform that does a a whole bunch of pretty high-tech things and enables a lot of the things that we do to drive efficiencies in the process. And then we have a managed repair network of 20,000-plus pros and it's a mix. What's the beauty here that, that the insurance side uh, loves about us is that we're a mix of very large GC managed repair kind of folks on our network. But then we have the single trades. So we've got the licensed plumbers. We've got the electricians and HVAC techs. And then we layer in a slew of handymen, right, for some of the build back work and other things that we're doing. So we really have on the supply side a full suite from from the large GC all the way down to your sole proprietor, individual handyman, and we're pervasive throughout the 50 states. So if I need a plumber, I can go to the app and get a plumber, just me, a consumer. Absolutely. But your real value proposition is more targeted towards on the insurance side for, like you said, the obvious reasons, one insurer might insure tens of thousands or even millions of, of people across the country. 
Yeah, and it's, you know, from a business standpoint, it's even more valuable to us because there's a zero CAC cost, right? So we get that consumer, that policyholder, we do a tremendous job repairing their loss, right, at a need point. And then we have that customer pretty much for life um, because now they're in the product, uh, they're in our platform, they're a registered user with a mobile experience that's unlike any other. And if they've got a list of other things to do within their house that's outside the PNC space, uh, we certainly then provide that service to these policyholders. So is this technology set up within the insurance company's ecosystems where uh, I'm seeing here online where you can do uh, first notice of loss and inspections, even down to payments. Uh, so is it set up where it's kind of a seamless a transition from the insurance carrier to you back to the carrier? You got it. So what we do is we do integrations with the large carrier platforms, right? So CoreLogic is one of the first that we're, we'll be releasing the integration for, but the patterns are the exact same. A claim is sits a claims professional sits in the platforms that they use day to day. And when a claim comes in, they can assign that to Homey. And then with this direct API integration, all the data about the policyholder, about the loss, about the policy and exclusions, all that flows over into our side. We turn that claim into then a job. Uh, we send that job out to our network of pros. They pick that job up. They run through the process of whether an estimate's required, submitting the estimate, for some of our carriers, they are involved in, in approving that estimate. For other carriers, they give us um, you know, certain, certain thresholds and rules that, hey, if it's under a $5,000 claim, you guys use industry-based pricing, the same kind of models that we use to look at estimates. As long as you guys are good with the scope and pricing, we're good with it. So we approve the estimate. Pros on site still a lot of times, committing, completing the estimate in our technology, submitting it, and then starting the work almost immediately. And that's a, a huge differentiator and a huge MPS score upgrade for that policyholder, right? They got a pro out there, completed an estimate. A lot of times we'll turn those around, you know, whether it's it's within that day or why that pro's on site or within one or two days, that pro's back on site, they're completing the work. All the data during that whole workflow gets pumped back into those claims platforms. So a claims professional can sit there and look at the claim and all along the way they can see, oh, okay, we assigned it to Homey, a pro has picked it up, here's when they're scheduled, oh, in fact, they're on site, here's the estimates, here's the work being done, we pass back photos and notes of the work being done so they know, hey, the, you know, there's, there's some fraud re reduction there, so they know the work is actually getting done at the property, we geofence it, all kinds of good stuff that we do there. And all that data flows bi-directionally, so it flows back into the claim system. So there's no doubt we, we not only are increasing the transparency for that policyholder, but we're doing it for the claims professional as well. So the handoff is seamless. So like with CoreLogic, I assume you're talking about Simbility. Yep. The, the desk adjuster who's working for insurer X, carrier X, can look in Simbility and all this progress will reside in there as well. You got it. Now we have our own platforms, right? For those folks that don't have uh, or don't want to use or don't want to get an integration started yet. Mm -hmm. We have our own system, our own platform that's sure. web-based, cloud-based. They can come in and see the progress of the claim all the way to completion in, in our technology as well. So I want to ask about the actual contractor 
network, right? The 20,000 contractors you have on here. I suppose for a contractor, it's kind of a no brainer, right? Sign up, you get work, you get paid. But what does Homie do to make sure that they're getting the right contractors or the good ones and not just the maybe bad ones out there? Yeah, great question. So let's talk about that side of the business. We have a a whole group that's uh, what we call vendor recruiting and vendor onboarding. We hired a gentleman by the name of Quinn that's got 28 years of experience in building these managed repair networks. He joined us on the leadership team six months ago or so. Tremendous value in getting not only the, the right pros that do quality work, but also pros that have been in the insurance space and so know how to handle claim type work, which is a different kind of pro. It's a different animal, right? You got it. You got it. So when we cut our teeth on the, the, the kind of more on-demand gig economy kind of work, that's a different that's a different kind of worker. We've gotten away from that, right, on the pro side. We vet them. We background check them. They're fully credentialed and licensed. We work with credentialing services that already have networks. If there's other networks that insurance carriers use, think of us as a network of networks. We can connect them to our system and we can pass work to them. And the great part of the technology is differentiated from other places. It's it's not referrals. If a job comes in on our side and we match it up with the right professional to get the work done. And there's a lot of technology that goes into that matchmaking. That pro is picking up and going to the job and getting the job done and getting paid. It's not go get a referral and you're fighting against 10 other pros to get the business. It's not like that. It's a job. Um, As soon as they pick it up, it turns into a job. They'll they'll go out for the estimate. 90% of those estimates are getting approved, uh, if not greater. uh, And the work is just getting done. So it's, it's a no brainer on the pro side. And think of our marketplace or network of pros as being a living, breathing thing. We're constantly calling that network. So only the top pros are staying on. And you know, we like to talk about the figure of, of really only 20% of the pros that try to onboard with us make it through. So we're, we're trying to get the cream of the crop. What about the injured? So if somebody files a claim and there's damage, does the insurance company just automatically send your information out and send out the contractor? Or does the insured have to say, hey, I don't have anybody. I want you to send somebody. It depends. I'll say both cases, we we have carriers utilizing both cases. A lot of our bigger partnerships and our bigger carriers are saying for these perils and these zip codes or or metros or states on the state level that we support because we got coverage across all of it, they build rules that say all these get assigned to homie. So we handle the whole thing from soup to nuts. And it's so that they don't have to deal with, you know, it's fast pass kind of work. It's it's the mid to, to easy kind of claim work. Uh, you know, we did a lot of stuff for the, obviously for the Texas storm with frozen pipes. That's more of an emergent use case, mm-hmm. but we'll do emergent use cases. We'll do mitigation work. Uh, so you, you got water damage, we'll do the dry out. Uh, and then we'll also do the build back. So um, all those kind of use cases are a bit different. The emergent use case is more of an on-demand, somewhat ill-defined scope. Just get somebody there immediately to stop the bleeding, you know, stop the flooding, stop the damage. Um, so we have use cases that completely go straight to us uh, on the emergent side, and we go address those and, and minimize the loss. And then we're also involved all the way through from mitigation to build back. I see. You know, whenever a car gets damaged, you put a car back together 
the way it was and everyone's happy, right? My door is back on, the color of paint. But whenever you have damage to the inside, there's always something else that needs to be done. There's always the other room that needs to be painted or I need to, you know, upgrade this or change this around. Is it difficult sometimes to separate the insurance claim and the deductible with the renovations going on? And is that something that Homie deals with? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So so that's why for a lot of these things with with the estimate side, we're, we're a licensed GC in the states that, that have statewide licensing and then metros as well. So we're a licensed GC. We got GCs on staff. We get eyes on a lot of these estimates. We kind of understand that because our GCs also have spent a lot of time in the insurance side. So we can a lot of times catch those, but we also support from the technology side covered and uncovered work. Mm. So it, it might be covered by this part of the claim or the job might be covered work. And so we'll tap the deductibles from the policyholder and we'll invoice the carrier for the remainder of that work. And then there's the uncovered side. And on the uncovered side, great, we've got a pro out there. Let's do the uncovered work. And then we'll tap the card for that policyholder for the entirety of that uncovered work. Wow. And it's a great policyholder experience, right? I got everything done that I needed to get done with the same pro at the same time that they were here instead of two jobs, getting a, a variety of pros in there, having to deal with schedules. So we can do covered and uncovered work. We can do approved claims and decline claims. Some of our carriers start with us on the decline claim side. It provides value to the policyholder. Sorry. Right. Right. Either you're under deduct, you know, this particular job is so small, you're under deductible, so you need to go do it yourself. But then they're left, you know, holding the bag. Who do I get to work uh, with with the homie? They refer the, all the, the denied claims or the under deductible claims to us as well. So we can then provide value to their policyholder. Like, it's great to stay with carrier XYZ because they're providing this extra value to me. Um, and then we track all that to the carrier, right? We know that that carrier referred that customer to us. There's a lot of things that we do to, to build dashboards for those carriers. That's great. Yeah, I, I was just thinking here, you know, home values are just going up like crazy. And deductibles are tied to the home values that are two or a one, a two or a 5%. So deductibles are getting so high. So people are having to pay so much more money for their homes and their everyday right. goods. And now deductibles are really hard to cover. So sometimes whenever you go out there, you might have a really high deductible and someone might not have the funds saved up for that. What what do you do in those cases? Is there financing available or is it up to that insured to go out and figure out how they're going to pay for that? We have started to investigate the, the micro loans and the, and the financing opportunities for deductibles. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have a couple carriers that are obviously in the luxury space too. And th those are a little more, you know, right. those are... $10,000 kind of deductibles, but normally the folks that have those kind of residencies can afford those deductibles and don't need right. micro loans. Um, but we, we haven't engaged yet. It's on our radar. It's on our list to do. We quite frankly, haven't had the need to implement something like that. I, okay. I certainly see it in the future. Right. You know, things continue the way that they are. Certainly I see that in the future, but today we haven't had too much pushback that we're losing folks through the funnel because they can't afford the deductible payment. Let's talk about you for a minute and your journey about your career and your background. Like you said, you, you have a partner who's kind of like me in that I, I've never met a repair that I don't want somebody else to do. Is that how you are? Or do you like to tinker and fix things? 
talk a little bit more about how the company came into being. Sure. So my background, I've got a, a mechanical engineering degree from the University of Dayton, and I've got a aerospace structures degree from the University of Cincinnati. So I'm, I spent a lot of time in the aerospace industry as an engineer working for GE, and my career moved into the software side. I was using a lot of software, obviously, for the engineering design work that we were doing at GE. Um, and then I was recruited to join that company on the software side, and I held a variety of roles from sales roles to um, engineering uh, slash software development, software leadership roles in that organization. I was there for about 11 years. So that's how I got from engineering into software. And then into the startup world, there was a startup pre-homey here that I was the chief product officer on, uh, running all of development and product. And it was more in, a, in an R&D space, uh, R&D and search for large CPG firms. So you can imagine being in Cincinnati, um, sure. that was part of a, a P&G initiative. So then that's where Homey came out of the, I think I can do everything as an engineer. Obviously, I think I can do any kind of DIY work around the house, uh-huh. uh, op- opposite of my partner. Um, uh-huh. And and that's where I, I had a, an incident in, in, in thinking that I, right. I could repair this uh, this this bathroom and, and, and was way above <laughs> my skis on that one. So you were over ambitious. You got it. You got it. Being an engineer, I think I can solve all kinds of problems and, and, and handy and, and things like that. But uh, but quickly found that there should be professionals when you need professionals. I uh, got my master's degree with a bunch of and mostly engineers, mostly electrical engineers. And uh, that's where I learned um, kind of how engineers think about things. Right. And that is, yeah, I mean, you guys design stuff so it won't have to be fixed. You got it. So you're into that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll tinker with anything, you know, everything from, from computers to rebuilding uh, hand tools, anything I think I can get my hands on, I, I think I can fix it. And most of the time, the answer is probably no. Well, see, so I'm just really much more efficient in my approach. Exactly. Just, We've reached the same conclusion that I have to go hire somebody to fix. Uh, uh, and most of the time, a, I've, I've broken it worse, right? When the repairman gets there, he says, you know, if, if, if this wasn't in this state, it would have cost you, cost you right. a lot less money. Right. Now, I've um, learned. I've learned to call them now. I don't have as much time to tinker, so I've learned to call them early. So did you have any – I'm interested for a second to talk about founding a company and founding something, something that's taken off. Uh, I mean, when you started, you said that you guys had one vision to kind of, your vision was more like creating an Uber for home repair, but there was a big pivot there. I mean, it wasn't a small pivot to move to, oh, wow, you know what? We should be over here. Talk to us a minute about what that experience was like and up to the pivot. You know, the the good news about where we have progressed, right? It's it's really, they're all building blocks, which has got us to where we are today. So I, I don't really say they were pivots, but we've migrated through these kind of three areas that have built what we have today. And they're all still in use. So they're all tremendous value from us spending time directly with consumers and understanding what that end user experience needs to be. If, if we didn't do that in the beginning, we would be hard pressed to be in the position we are today because we're still the, at the end of the day, 
we're still trying to satisfy that policyholder that has had a horrible home experience and needs to get it resolved. And they're used to things they use in their personal lives. So it better not be difficult. It better not be, you know, they better be able to do it just like they order a car, right? They better be able to do it like they're ordering food from DoorDash and others. So it needs to be that simplistic because that's what the end user is used to in their personal lives. And so the migration from direct to consumer and this Uber experience to go into uh, the property management space where we had to have a very large footprint of pros that could address both the property manager's needs as well as the resident's needs to now an insurance. They've all built on each other. And as a founder, what's fantastic now is that we have this, this magic you know, unicorn that everybody's trying to go after is a product market fit. We mm-hmm. have that. We are in an underserved industry that needed innovation. Um, As as much as I hate that buzzword, it was broken and it was still in this, you know, 200 year old passed down a plumbing business and all of their book of business from generation to generation. And now we're kind of breaking that a bit and it's at the right time, the right place. And in this migration from consumers to now policyholders, which are consumers, and from property managers to large insurance carriers, there's still the constituents are the same. And then the providers, we have increased the quality of those providers to address the insurance space. Guess what? Those quality providers are providing a way better experience for the direct consumer as well. So all of it has been this transition or this, this, this path from where we started as a founder to where we are now. I'm more excited now than I've ever been in the business. That's great. You know, years, five or six years down the road as a founder, one of the things is I, I love the startup process and growing and everything else, but once it gets operational and day to day, it's not quite as fun. So it's right. cool to hear that things are still popping for you guys, right? There's still big vistas out there to pursue. You got it. And what is even more, you know, I, I might be a bit biased, but what's, what's even more satisfying than, than seeing the business and the growth stage that it is, is seeing the people that work for us. You know, we got A players that are coming over from established careers uh, and they treat this business like they founded it. Mm-hmm. And as a founder, there's nothing better to be a grin on your face to see somebody just putting in the kind of time and energy and enthusiasm as you as a founder have in your heart. And these are people that have joined the companies, you know, since it's founded and have, you know, we, I like to say, I like to hire people that are way smarter than me. And, and we've got a lot of those people working for us. Speaking of your workforce, the CEOs in Tampa, you're in Cincinnati. Is this a completely remote company? I mean, are, do you have people spotted all over the country? How, how do you do that? And I want that to lead into sharing about your COVID experience and the effect. And I, I can imagine that the effect that COVID had on you was significant. Talk about your workforce and then talk about COVID. Sure. So workforce wise, um, like I said, we've got a split between folks that are building our technology. Um, so developers, designers, those kind of pro- you know, product managers and, and engineers. And then we've got operational folks. And, and we, had, we had pre-COVID, we had two major offices. We have the Tampa office still a brick and mortar with uh, a lot of, of uh, our team 
on site in that office day to day, never shut it down during COVID at all. In Cincinnati, we had a rather large office here as well, and we went full remote for the product side. Uh, it just made sense after COVID, uh, all the, the product folks could be remote, we're, we're used to remote, we needed to uh, target and hire and recruit uh, the best in class product technologists, and I don't care where they're at, right? So we can we can grab those from the coast, we can grab them from the Midwest, and we, we can grab them from states like Texas and Austin where there's a ton of talent. And so we decided to, to shutter that office. Just recently, we shut that one down. Because uh, I was the only one occupying about 7,000 square feet. It just didn't uh, make sense to have an office that large just for me. Sure. Um, sure. So we still have brick and mortar, but we have personnel throughout. We have what we call uh, regional market managers. So they're responsible for the states. Um, so we've got people in Arizona. We've got people in Texas. We've got people in Florida, here in Columbus and in Ohio and Cincinnati. Uh, so we've got a smattering of of remote workforce that manage the day-to-day operations in those regions. On the COVID side, so let's talk about uh, the business model today is, is we essentially handle, to me, a claim is a claim is a claim. So whether it's coming from the insurance side, which obviously is our very large focus in the PNC space, we also are the exclusive provider of home services for home warranty business. And so we treat that the same because that's essentially a claim. Different mm-hmm. workforce, mm-hmm. you know, different appliances are a little mm-hmm. heavier there. Mm-hmm. And then we also do product warranties. So we have a very premier relationship with a premier brand. And if there's a product recall, we do all of the retrofits. So being that we have diversified the business a bit, all of it is in the house, right? So all of it is in a residence or in the house. When COVID hit, we were in a very good position. Um, and when I say that, the beginning of COVID, when everybody started to, to shutter and shelter in place and hunker down, everybody got that same idea. Well, if I'm home, I might as well get all this work done uh, because I'm home, you know, I'm in my office, I'm staring at what I needed to get done forever. I've got the time. So we, our business actually took a, a, an uptick during the, the beginning part of COVID. So let's just say the first third of COVID. Sure. Then the, then the scare started to kind of creep in, right? Then, then people started to get a little bit frightened of having unknowns in their house, right? To bring to bear some of, I, I, I don't want to have for, for non-emergent use cases, things that are just nice to have to get done. Do I really want to have a service professional in, even if they're, you know, head to toe in PPE, which our pros were, sure. there's a little bit then of a flatlining of the business. So we, we weren't on an upward climb, but we were pretty steady on that upward. And we were we were kind of uh, taking that flatline approach, still doing pretty well for that third of, of COVID, but we weren't growing at the rates that we were seeing pre-COVID. We certainly didn't take a, a downturn. And then once that fear started to subside, then we started to, again, climb, and the climb has been uh, exponential since, since that. I you know, can't say that we're post-COVID yet, but uh, certainly out of the weeds and into the vaccine stages of COVID, things were taken off again. Now, we had a couple cat events that helped the business. Right. I, I hate to say helped the business, but certainly um, that drives a lot of business in those emergent use cases, and everybody's got a need during those to get more pros 
And so those those help the business, um, and those never go away, right? The the emerging use cases never go away. Even if you're afraid to have somebody in the house at the time, you need to get that done because not doing that is worse. So, if your house is flooded or whatever, exactly. I mean, there could be a global pandemic, but your house is flooded, and uh, so you have to take your choice. You got it. I just want to ask you in the couple of minutes we have left, I want to ask you about your impression of basically, you know, moving industries. When you started, I think you suggested that you didn't think of yourself as an insure tech, but today you absolutely think of yourself as an insure tech and you're very involved in the insurance industry, but you didn't come from the insurance industry. I'm sure it's been a little bit of a culture shock. Can you share your impressions of insurance and, and what that learning has been like about you know, and especially now in your new role as chief revenue officer, selling into an industry that's quite unlike tech. So where I came from, I'm a little bit different because the business before this one in the time that I have spent in my career prior to this, they were slow moving behemoths, right? So the industries like CPG, industries mm, like right. auto and, and aero, you're dealing with the Boeings and the Fords and the PNGs and the General Mills of the world. Those are long cycles, long sales cycles. So I was, I'm used to that. Um, mm -hmm. But being in startup, and especially in the on-demand side, right? I'm now more geared towards let's move faster. In insurance, as any regulated industry, as any large industry, is much more slow moving than I'd like. But it's shockingly faster than I would have anticipated. If I said we were going to be insurance three years ago, I would have been like, man, that's going to be slow moving, large sales cycles, um, a lot of, uh, of, of negativity around change. But insurance is changing, whether you look at the, the Lemonades or the Chubs or, or any of those that are, that are kind of in that startup insurance space, the insurance industry is now knowing that they have to innovate. Uh, mm -hmm. Or somebody will for them. So the part we we get entries into the innovations groups in these large carriers, and they move much quicker. Right. Whether they're innovating to say, hey, we want to provide additional value to our policyholders, and that's home maintenance plans or providing referrals to us for just general work that a policyholder might want to go in their house. Those sometimes are our entry points. And they introduce us to the PNC side, which again is much slower, but then we can prove we've already proven ourselves. We've got very quick pilots that we can turn on in days. Hey, pick a metro, we'll turn a pilot on for you. Prove that we are our guaranteed repair network with us as that that GC that handles all the quality control. Let us go do that, prove it out for you before we do any integrations or you start to use a lot of our technology. Those things can run. You know, three months or, or 50 claims can handle very, very quickly. They're like, oh, yeah, this 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 can take off like wildfire. We build integrations. We're off and running. So I would say that the industry in a whole is starting to innovate a lot more and they're starting to move a lot quicker than than I would have anticipated probably three years ago. And that's a that's to me a breath of fresh air because we can move right along with them at, at a faster clip than they're used to. Well, we think that you are, you know, onto something really big and really yeah. important. I mean, sometimes you see something like this and you say to yourself, why didn't I think of that? 
Yeah. Well, I, I th- thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you know, here we are insurance claims professionals who've been, you know, in the industry for a long time. And I have an excuse because, you know, I'm not that smart, but Lee has no excuse. <laughs> well, I think sometimes you're so into it, it's hard to think about the outside. It takes people coming from the outside to say, why do you do it that way? Completely agree. People like Dave here who, who can say, hey, I got an idea. Let's do this. I completely agree. I think it takes, I definitely think it takes outsiders a lot of times. And what, what I love about where insurance is going uh, or where, where all this is kind of going with the smarter homes and the connected devices is instead of being so reactive, we can now with technology be proactive, right? We've got brands that are implementing IoT within their device or within their, their brands and, and their products. So now instead of, you know, a oh crap moment with a frozen pipe that bursts or a slow leak that turns into a major leak, we can start to do some integrations and get telemetry kind of data and be out and repairing something before it becomes a disaster. Right. And before there's large losses and it helps the underwriting, if you, you know, the underwriting side of the business, it helps the, the claim side of the business. So I'm extremely excited about where technology can play a big role on the insurance side. And we're poised to do that. Sure. The idea that before somebody even knows they have a leak, you have a repairman knocking at the door. Exactly. So to speak, saying, hey, I'm here to fix your leak. Why does it need to be a claim, right? Why does it have to turn into a loss? We've got a slow leak detected. Let's go repair that. Let's get in there. And and we can do that. It can integrate directly with Homey. And Homey can have a plumber at your door before you know you have a leak. Right. And, uh, you know, others have seen the, the potential. I know that you you guys have investors, several major insurance companies are investors in your company, uh, which is a terrific validation. Um, Hippo bought shelter right. a few years ago, I think with the, you know, on the same kind of premise of what you're talking about here is that, uh, you know, more and more and more integration between home IOT and, having services to be able to handle the information that's coming at you is a formula for the future. Yeah, that's the that's the holy grail, right? The the proactive versus reactive and using technologies to do that. But being in a place to be reactive as well is is obviously important for things that you just catastrophic events you just can't plan for. Well it's really cool to talk to somebody who's on the cutting edge of all this. I'm sure that you do a great job and you've done a great job today and we, we loved having you on. We, we thank uh, Brandon for bringing you here to us and uh, be unit more yeah. accurately. That's right. We, we hope that you would come back and join us again at some point in the future to talk more about Homie. I'd love to. And I, I very much appreciate the opportunity. It was great talking to you guys. I, I enjoyed the conversation and look forward to it. I did mean to ask you one last question. Where did Homie come from? You know, it, it was a true startup moment where I was just writing different names that had something to do with home services, you know, and trying to find something that fit. And really the moniker is home expert, right? With the E being the extra expert. And if you look at our logo, it's got a roof line with mm-hmm. a long mark, a long line over the E. That also brings us back to the beginning of this where you asked how to pronounce the, the name. That mm-hmm. long mark over the E signifies the long E, so it's a home E, and it looks like a garage as well. There you go. Hidden things in the logo, right? There you go. Look at that. Well, listen, thanks again for being with us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you so much. 
but like we were saying at the end there, Lee, I think it's so interesting when you have carriers who are investing in insurtechs. That's yeah. a really interesting part of all of this. They're not buying them in whole. They're investing in part for financial as well as operational reasons. I think there's strategy behind it too, right? You're investing totally. in them. I mean, they, they need to stay independent to some point, uh, but for them to put their, you know, their sticker of approval on it. I mean, there's some big names behind these guys mm-hmm. and, and there's really, really smart people out there who said, yes, I believe in this. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to go with it. And you know, like, like we said, they, they keep raising more money. More people keep coming to them and believing in what they're doing. It is the future. It's, it's where auto has gone for a while and now property has found its way in there. Uh, a friend of ours talked about, um, you know, managed repair networks years ago at a Xactware conference, Tony Trilla did, about mm-hmm. that's the future. And, you know, it's companies like Homey who are coming out and making that happen. We thank Brandon, B-Unit, and Big D, Dave, for being with us and look forward to their continuing saga and story and look forward to have back on in the future. And we look forward to having you on for our next episode. And I wish I could say who and what that would be, but you know what? It's always a surprise. So don't get mm-hmm. too excited. Yeah. Cause we have no idea. Cause we have no idea. And truth be told, here's the big secret. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll say what we always say at the end. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>